Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 28th of January, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Five wins in a row, now five losses in a row. And the first thing I'm going to say is this, disclaimer time. These things happen in an 82-game season. I looked at several teams in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference couple as well. And I looked through teams' schedules. And you see a lot of like the better teams like Carolina or Florida, now Tampa. You look at their schedules and you see four or five wins in a row, five out of six. And then you see clumps of losing five out of six or four out of five. And you see lopsided scores in those games as well. Again, I've talked about this before. We cannot treat an 82-game hockey season like a now 17-game NFL season. The Flyers limped to the All-Star break. Limped very much so. Has the hockey been great? No, it hasn't been great. Has it been as bad as some of the scores have indicated over this last five games? I don't think so. And you have to look at everything in a cumulative effect. And the five games right now are the most recent five games we have watched. And they look like they've been blown out of the water by star power on a lot of the, a lot of those occasions. You can go back and look at whether it's the Colorado game and the performance of Nathan McKinnon. You can look at the game against on Tuesday uh, that the Flyers lost against Tampa and the performance of Nikita Kucherov. You can look at the game yesterday against Boston and now certifiable Flyer killer David Posternock. And, you know, he gets two goals in about a four and a half minute clump in the first period and opens the scoring for Boston. And you can have that fatalist recency biased mindset that this season's over. It's all done. Well, an NHL season, an 82 game season is full of ebbs and flows. And when the Flyers won the five straight games and six out of seven, they beat a Calgary team. At Wells Fargo Center, they lost then to Pittsburgh the night of the Gauthier-Drysdale trade. Then they beat Montreal, not a great team. They beat Minnesota on the road, not a great team. Had to come from behind to do it. Beat the best team in the league at the time, the Winnipeg Jets, 2 to nothing on a back-to-back. Then went to St. Louis and swept the road trip 4-2. to two, And then came back home and beat the Dallas Stars 5-1. to one, And it was pretty much a perfect hockey game. But since then, since that Dallas game, They've lost to Colorado 7-4. They lost to Ottawa 5-3. They lost to Tampa Bay 6-3. Two empty net goals in that game. It's a much tighter game than that. Uh, they lost to Detroit 3 to nothing, And they lost to Boston yesterday 6-2. And I know a lot of – I see it on social media, and I, I see the comments. And everybody is saying, okay, it's over. Now sell off every piece. Get back to rebuilding. The the mentality of the rebuild never changed. It never changed. And it's not going to change. At least, I don't think it is based on what I've heard Danny Breer say. He's not saying anything to me different than you guys are hearing. 
not and based on what I'm hearing from Keith Jones and John Tortorella and the resolute nature of what they're doing. Torch just said last week, can't fall in love with guys. You got to make hard decisions. You got to make decisions that are best in the long run. And this team needs a break. They've got one now. And they're going to come back and they're going to face a really good Florida team on the road when they return on February 6th. Then they're going to come back home the next game and they're going to face a really good Winnipeg team. They're going to face the meh Seattle team and meh Arizona team. Then they're going to go on the road and take on Toronto. Then they're going to get a meh Jersey team in the stadium series game. Then you get Chicago and you have the Rangers again. You have Pittsburgh who's meh. Tampa, I don't know if Tampa is going to be the Tampa of later. They're going to be meh Tampa. Washington, meh. Ottawa, I mean, we got to stop reacting like we're constantly holding the shovel with dirt on it, just ready to pour it on. Now, there's been some things of late. Obviously, the situation with the leave of Carter Hart and, and all that surrounds it. Obviously. You know, Sam Harrison in his last three games has gotten touched up badly. Is that a by is that a product of him playing poorly or has the, the breakdowns been glorious? I look at it all. And I'm not sitting here ready to push any sort of panic button on this season. The fact of the matter, the fact of the matter is where the team sits in total this season where they are right now. They're sitting in the third spot. There's some games going on right now as I speak. I'll see how the standings shake out in the morning. But they're 25-19-6, and six, 56 points. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They've lost their last five. There's a game under Hockey 500 at home at 11-12-2, and, and they're 14-7-4 on the road. They've done a ton of their heavy-duty road tripping for the year. They survived it. They played better on the road. They played at home. they got to figure that out. But there's players... Like Travis Sandheim, I think needs obviously needs a, a, a reset on the season. Konechny has now gone three straight games without a point. He hadn't done that since early November. And you need Owen Tippett back with a new contract. You, you need it all to come back and everybody to get away, rejuvenate physically, mentally, emotionally for the stretch drive. But this fate, this, it feels like a want for some people for them to pronounce the team dead for the year. I, I swear, I think sometimes there's there's a portion of fans that wants misery. They're attracted to misery. They're more comfortable in misery. This team is not last year's team. This team is not the team from two years ago or three years ago. This is a totally different group. And if they don't make the playoffs... You have every right to be disappointed because of the position they put themselves in. But I think if we've learned anything about this group is that they're going to go out there and give you an honest effort. And the people standing there with shovels full of dirt ready to pour it on at the any sign of adversity, stop. I mean, you can do it. You're entitled to do that. I look at the Flyers' strength of the remaining schedule. The strength of their remaining schedule is the 17th hardest in the NHL. Some of the teams that they're battling with have more difficult schedules than them, like Pittsburgh has the eighth hardest remaining schedule. The Washington Capitals, strength of schedule, they have the hardest in the NHL. Strength of schedule. You look at teams like New Jersey, they've got the 11th hardest schedule. You look at a team like Carolina, they've got the 14th 
hardest schedule. The Islanders, the 16th, the Flyers, the 17th. The Flyers, tough opponents that they still have to play. They have Boston two more times. That'll be tough, no doubt. Uh, They have Winnipeg, as I mentioned. They also have the Florida Panthers three times. Good team. They have the Rangers three more times. They have Carolina one more, and they have the Toronto Maple Leafs three times. The easy opponents, the Flyers, termed easy, they have left. They have the Blackhawks once. They have the Sharks. They have the Columbus Blue Jackets one more time. Ottawa again, two times against Montreal, one more time against Buffalo. So, it's again, it's the 17th hardest schedule of any teams of the teams remaining right now. That's according to Tankathon, which is they look at a team's remaining games and calculate the combined points percentage for all of those opponents. A high strength of schedule, they say, is good for tanking. So that's Washington has the hardest. Toronto's got the second hardest. But if you look, look, I'll bring up Carolina's schedule. Carolina's sitting in the second spot right now in the division. And I know some of their fans, I, I saw it on social media, they wanted to pour dirt on Carolina a few times this year. Carolina won three of their first four. Then they lost four of their next five. Then they rattled off five of six. Then Carolina hit a stretch where they lost five of six. Won two games, lost another four out of five. Then they won five straight. And it goes up and down with every team. There's teams that are going to, you're going to catch a run where all you can do is win. And then you're going to catch other periods where it's going to be, you're going to be up against it. Your team is going to be exhausted. I know some people say, uh, John Tortorella worked him too hard in training camp, and that's showing its head now. That's baloney. That's total BS. That happens to every team. There's ebbs and flows to an 82-game season. We all, frankly, need this reset right now. As a fan base, we weren't expecting a team to be even in a mix, any kind of mix, and we're there now. We're getting invested, and everybody feels like they're getting their heart broken all over again. I understand. I've been through it too. My job on this podcast is to remove emotion as best I can and look at things through a realistic lens full of factual information and understanding that an 82-game season is not a rocking chair ride. It might be for Boston like it was last year. It might be like it was a couple years ago for Tampa. They're rare. Flyers are not near that. They're not even close to that, to a rock and chair ride of a season. These stretches where you feel really good, and I remember how everybody felt less just a little over a week ago after that 5-1 win over Dallas. And all of that confidence and positivity just evaporates in five games. All of a sudden, it's all falling apart. That's total and complete BS. They're not getting results right now. Have they played great? No. Have they defended well enough? Hell no. Given up way too many golden scoring opportunities against teams that will make you pay, like Colorado and like the Boston Bruins. So... For those people that just want to constantly go back to that fatalist mentality, I call BS. You got to look at it for what it is. Are they going to come back from the break and 
push through and make the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. But I'm not thinking because this five games that it's all done. Let's start selling off pieces again and go through that whole thing. You got to remove that emotion, the hurt of losing these five games, and the fact that they didn't gain any ground in the standing over the, in the standings over these five games. You got to look at it in total. You can't go, oh my God, they beat Winnipeg two to nothing in a back to back. This team's got belly. This team's got ass. This team's got balls. This team went out and shut down a really good Dallas team and won that game five to one, and have it just. Poof, in five, it does not work that way. That's not the way this sport works. It just doesn't. Let's get to the game from yesterday. So yesterday against Boston, I thought they played a really good first 12 minutes of the game. They had some good opportunities. Linus Allmark made some really good saves for Boston. And then there was a four and a half minute stretch where the, the Bruins just came in and messed up your house. I equated it when on the radio broadcast to this. You know how you, you cleaned up like your apartment? This back when, when I was single. You clean up your apartment real good. You know, you dust and you pick up all the trash. You empty the receptacles. You clean up the dishes, all that stuff. Then you invite a couple of your buddies over. And in like 10 minutes, it looks like a bomb went off. They destroy your apartment. There's empty beer cans. There's sandwich wrappers. There's crap everywhere again. You're like, I just cleaned the place. Now it looks like a trash hole again. That's what the Boston Bruins did in this game. <laughs> if that makes any sense, Boston in the period from 1409 of the first period to 1823 came in and they destroyed your apartment, your clean job. David Pasternak, the first goal shoots it through the legs of Travis Sanheim and beats Sam Harrison far side off the post and in perfect shot. And some people go, well, he's got to make a save on that shot. First of all, Pasternak is one of the elite shooters in the league. And he shoots it through Sandheim's legs. And he's doing that on purpose because the great scorers in today's game, they all have something in common. They don't just, they don't overpower you. It's look at Austin Matthews, go back in on YouTube and look at all his goals this year. And the one thing that you will find consistent with Austin Matthews is that there isn't consistency. There isn't consistency in release. There isn't consistency on spot on the ice. There isn't consistency on the puck distance from his body. He will release it from out far. He'll release it close into his feet and anywhere in between. He'll show you different looks with his shoulders. And that's how they beat goalies because they have the ability to change their release points and disguise what they're doing. That's how these guys beat the best goalies in the world. And this one is doubly hard because if a goalie doesn't see the release of the puck off the stick, he is fighting a losing battle. That is the biggest element to making a save for a goalie. Because the way these guys shoot the pucks with these sticks, there isn't a goalie in the world, a person on the planet that can react quick enough after the puck is off the stick to stop it unless it hits them. You can't. You can't move your arm that fast. You can't read it like that. About 80% of the save and motion to save is all happening before the puck is even off the stick. If you slide it down, if you slowed it down frame by frame and Pasternak came in and as he's pulling it back, that goalie is already starting to read where he's going 
based on where the puck is in relation to his body, based on uh, the angle of the stick, based on the angle of his shoulders, based on his eyes, based on where the puck is in relation to his feet. The, the goalie's brain is a supercomputer. And when he can't see the release of the puck off the blade of the stick, you're, you're, you're fighting a very difficult battle. And when it's a shooter like David Pasternak, who can put it in the perfect spot through your defenseman's legs, sorry, you're going to lose that battle. You just are. That's why he's one of the best scorers in the game. Uh, after that, Charlie McAvoy gets a goal, tap in on the back door because Pasternak commands so much attention. It opens it up for McAvoy to sneak in from the point. Then Danton Heinen picked up a goal. Then Pasternak gets another one, this one unassisted, picking up some loose change in front. Then James Van Riemsdyk made it 5 nothing, and the Boston Bruins are off and running. Tyson Forster picked up a couple, one in the second at 15-23. Real nice shot, like a little toe drag move, go hard to the net. That's what he did. 5-1 into the third. Forster picks up another one. His ninth of the season gets the Flyers to 5-2. Then Charlie Coyle picks up the lone other Boston goal in the third period. 6-2 is the final. So it, a difficult game for the Flyers, and they're in a difficult stretch right now. They outshoot Boston in the game 37-28. to 28. You lose 6-2. to two. You win close to 60% of the faceoffs. You lose 6-2. to two. Again, this is another shining example that shots on goal don't matter. It's quality of what you get on goal. Boston had 28. Only 28 shots. They scored six goals. Is that because the goaltending was bad or they just had really high quality scoring chances? I think it's the latter. Matter of fact, I know it's the latter. And the Flyers, look, you got to dust themselves off here during the break. All these guys got to get away, recharge, refresh. Konechny's going to go to the All-Star game later next week. Maybe that'll be good for him to get his game back going again. They all look tired. They all look like they don't have confidence. You know why? Because they don't have confidence right now. They lost five straight. But confidence in sports is fleeting. You can have a ton of it like they had against the Dallas Stars in that 5-1 win. And it can be gone like that. It can evaporate real quickly. you got to rebuild it. But you can do that in an 82-game season. You can do that when you have 32 games left. It's not like there's 15 games left and the team is taken on water like a ship that got a huge uh, hole in it. That's not the case here. We'll see what they do when they come back. But it's obviously a tough stretch right now when you've lost five straight. But you're going to come back, going to face a good Florida team on the road, three at home. You're going to get some easier teams in the month of February. Schedules not as jammed up in February. It is jammed up in March. And we'll see where this all goes. There's still two and a half months left of the hockey season. We're just past the midway point. We've seen this team's resilience on many occasions this season. Can they have that resilience again? Some people don't believe so. I believe they can. I don't know that they will, but I believe that they can. So I'm not going to sit here and wave a white flag on the air. I'm not into doing that. I'm not into being that guy sitting there with a shovel full of dirt waiting to throw it on them. Not going to do it. I'm not going to crucify this team for the sins of another. That's just not what I'm into. But to each their own. All right, tomorrow, it'll be a Mondays with Meltzer. I think we're going to do an Ask Billy episode, too. So we'll be putting out a, a tweet to get people's questions that we'll address uh, and Ask Billy. And uh, we'll deal with that coming up on tomorrow's episode. So everybody, enjoy your Sunday. 
Enjoy the break. We'll be here every day. We'll be doing that just like we do from training camp to the end of the season. It is Flyers Daily, so we do it every day. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow on a brand-new episode of Flyers Daily.